Without the ones like you, who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you with professional-grade industrial supplies. Count on real-time product availability and fast delivery. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. All right. Well, happy Monday, ladies and gentlemen, and welcome inside the Wrestling Inc. podcast. No, no Jack Farmer or Justin Labar this week. You're stuck with the TikTok guy in the captain's chair. My name is Liam Crowley, and I am joined by two wonderful guests this evening. First, to my far left, the man behind the machine of Wrestling Inc., Wrestling Inc. founder and owner, Raj Gary. Raj, how are we tonight? I'm doing good. It's been a long day. I woke up in Playa del Carmen. I'm back in Denver, so it's been a... Uh... It's been a long day, but it's been a, you know, can't complain about that. It's been, it's been a great one. Great holidays, spending it with the family. Uh, it's, it's been awesome. Yeah. Those wild travel days always shell shock mm. my system. I, I last <laughs> week or two weeks ago, time is a flat circle, but woke up in Los Angeles, go to bed in Boston. It's just, it melts my brain. It, it, it's always uh, very odd uh, to the system, but Hey, closing this evening with some wrestling chatter. We also have Another guest on tonight's show, former WWE referee and author of The Three Count, the delightful Jimmy Corderas. Jimmy, it is so nice to finally meet you face-to-face. How are you doing this evening? I'm doing great. It's finally great to meet you too, Liam. And and talking about travel woes, trust me, I feel you guys. <laughs> I know where it's coming from. It's been a while, but I still remember. They're, they're locked in there. So, But uh, you know what? It, it's It's been a, a white Christmas up here in Canada, so not bad. I'll take it. You know, and, uh, you know, outside of the little pandemic stuff, which we'll be touching on a little later, I'm sure. But, uh, you know, other than that, everything is cool. Like you like you like you said, Raj, you know, you get to spend a little time with family and stuff like that. And it's nice. Yeah. And Jimmy, you've I mean, you've had the, you know, as far as travel experiences goes, you've, you've probably had the crazy easily had the craziest of, of the three of us. Uh, Any ones that, that stick out Christmas week? Oh my goodness. I, I used to like way back when I first started because it was kind of like a tradition here in Toronto, kind of like a MSG, MLG, as we called it, Maple Leaf Gardens here, had a day after Christmas up here in Canada. It's called Boxing Day. So we had our Boxing Day show, you know, the afternoon. It was always an afternoon show the day after Christmas. And I miss that because those were the easiest days. But, uh, and then it became okay, we're doing the the Boxing Day show in Toronto, and then we're doing uh, the next day in, I don't know, what pick a three-hour plane flight somewhere or, <laughs> right. or, or, or a 17-hour drive. Like Charlotte. <laughs> yeah, exactly. So, But uh, you know what? I like Christmas time because, you know, the fans that came out truly wanted to be there. They, they were enjoying themselves. A lot of kids, just a lot of fun. Yeah. That's wonderful to hear. I love hearing those stories. Uh, before we get things kicked off officially, we do already have some super chats in, uh, both coming from Sophie Dofi. Uh, first saying that Raw wasn't that bad tonight. I agree. I don't know about you guys. We'll get into it later on in the show, but nothing really stuck out, in my opinion, as, as a big whoa that made me want to turn off the TV, like does happen, admittedly, in prior weeks. How about you guys? Did you guys enjoy tonight's show? For the most part, it was okay. There were little things, of course, that stuck out to me that said, why? 
You know what I mean? Why did that happen? Maybe that could have happened a little differently. Maybe they could have adjusted, tweaked this or tweaked that. But um, it was okay. And under the circumstances, too, obviously shorthanded, being shorthanded as they were and having to uh, uh, rearrange things, so to speak. Um, it was okay, but still not what I thought it needed to be on the go-home show I'm going into a pay-per-view. Yeah, and, you know, I feel like, you know... Um with with the covid stuff you know seth rollins mentioned that he had it he tested positive um a lot of other big stars weren't on the show uh tonight i almost feel like you could you know you don't need to treat your fans like you can't say covid on the show anymore this is our new reality so just say covid has affected our show and then tonight we're just gonna have bischoff be the gm for the night just be like tonight we're just gonna let it go and you know and and you know just have it be unpredictable and just use it to your advantage in a weird way because we it's not like we're getting away from covid for two you know three hours it's still always on our minds it's still a, a part of our daily lives so just don't treat your fans like it's mm -hmm. i don't know yeah, I'm right there with you. I thought it was odd to not address the Rollins news right off the bat. Uh, Sophie also sends in another super chat mentioning, uh, do you see any changes to the day one card? As of right now, nothing has been shaken up and it is odd knowing the Rollins situation. So I'm sure news will come out in the coming days as to whether or not to confirm that match. But as we know with WWE many times before, I remember there was that Steve Austin injury years ago and they advertised that title match up until the day of the pay-per-view, and then they wrote him off in storyline with a backstage angle. I don't know if we'll, if they'll do the same thing with uh, Seth Rollins. I don't know if they'll make up some sort of storyline excuse or if they'll move forward with him in the match. We'll see. Before we get into the news uh, from today, I do want to uh, kind of shake things up, talk about this day in history really briefly, start things out on a little bit of a positive note because a lot of the news we have uh, is not so positive. Uh, this day in history, Goldberg and Cesaro were both born. Uh, Cesaro turns 41 today. Goldberg turns 55. And in Goldberg's pro wrestling career, not exactly something to look back on fondly, Kevin Nash defeated Goldberg to win the WCW world title on December 27th, Starcade 1998, to end his 173-day match, 173-match, excuse me, undefeated streak before I was even born, but one of those pro wrestling wow. moments that I see in every single documentary special. Uh, Raj, did that moment resonate with you uh, in any bit in your pro wrestling fandom? Yeah, absolutely. You know, and, you know, at the time I got what they were trying to do. Like, you know, you, you saw the, the momentum shift to WWF that year and Stone Cold became the hottest thing. So I, I got them wanting to have Goldberg do a chase as opposed to being the indestructible uh, superhero guy. Now you have him chasing the title and chasing the NWO and Hogan. And so I remember when it happened, uh, you know, I remember Bobby Heenan uh, was just saying like they just killed the industry and uh or they just killed wcw but um it was one of those things that never got to play out because goldberg got injured and uh, it just never happened but um yeah it was it's one of those things you if you watched it if you were there uh i mean i wasn't at that event but i was watching it on pay-per-view yeah. you just don't forget it it's one of those moments in history jimmy how about you for me, for me, it was more, <clears throat> excuse me, reading about it more than anything. And got, like, obviously we paid attention to what was going on there, but at the same time, 
we were concerned about our own thing going on. You know, you mentioned Stone Cold. There's a man, there's your big star that, you know, you're worried about. And we, I hate to put it this way because I like to think positively about things, but, and, and like right now, like I tell people, I want the whole industry as a whole, all companies to do well. Right. But when you're in competition, you're kind of like, ah, let them do that stuff. If they want to, if they want to throw dirt on themselves, let them do it. That kind of thing. <laughs> so, well, guys, I mean, that was a, a run unlike any others that you guys were experiencing back then, like that mm-hmm. December 98, mm-hmm. you know, Austin was just on fire. Everything was yeah. just clicking on all, uh, on all levels. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. And it, everything seemed to work. They were hitting all the right buttons, like you said. And, and it's, it's all about what the crowd reacts to and what they want to see. And things were a little bit different back then. You can't compare it to now where everybody knows, like right now, like, you, you know, for example, you go to wrestlinginc.com and you know, Seth Rollins has, has COVID back, back then. Would it be as readily available that information? Right. You know what I mean? So, so you can kind of play off, you know, the, the ones that know that Reed could say, yes, we know that Stone Cold is, has an issue and uh, that's why he's not appearing. But then the other people, oh, I didn't know that. I didn't see that coming, you know, that kind of stuff. Right. Yeah, absolutely, Jimmy. The industry has changed. And you mentioned the whole Rollins COVID news. Let's kick off with that. Seth Rollins did test positive for COVID-19 this past weekend. We don't know exactly what day, and that will play into whether or not he's cleared for day one, because right now we know isolation periods in the United States. The CDC recommends 10 days, and I would be very hard to believe WWE would not follow those protocols. Um, especially if they're going to publicly announce or at least the news will get out about Rollins testing positive. He took the Twitter saying Merry COVID Christmas to me. I love football. That was yesterday. So obviously a Sunday for football. He ended up missing the Madison Square Garden live event uh, where he was supposed to compete in a triple threat match against Big E and Kevin Owens. Instead, uh, MSG was headlined by Kevin Owens and Edge in a steel cage match. Uh, this has had trickle-down effects as well. Biggie, Becky Lynch, and Bianca Belair were all absent from MSG despite being advertised. And Roman Reigns also missed WWE's live event in Tampa. We do know Roman is immunocompromised, so that could be airing on the side of caution to ensure that his big match with Brock Lesnar can still take place this Saturday. Jimmy, I'll go to you first. What do you think this Rollins COVID positive news means for the immediate future of WWE? I find it very curious that uh, he came out in that video t- tonight and announced, it, you know, basically promoting himself for uh, for this weekend's day one pay-per-view. And I thought that that was very curious. And yes, there is a 10-day protocol in the United States, 14 days up here in Canada. You know, last week he had contact with everybody involved in that match, yet Kevin Owens was there. Um, and uh, we didn't see Bobby Lashley tonight. Unless unless I miss something, you know what I mean. Yeah, Bobby, yeah. No. three yeah, of the no. four people in that main event are, are they, missing. They very much too stressed in all yeah. of Owens's promos. I'm the only one man enough to show up tonight, and it's exactly, like... exactly. So, uh, man, I'm, I'm curious to see how they um, address this because it, it just doesn't feel like it's enough time for him to get past that allotted amount of time to be cleared. If that makes sense. Yeah, and. and uh... Joseph Bozo pointing out that the quarantine is only five days now. They have the CDC has changed their recommendation, oh. but at the same time, uh, it's basically until you test negative. And so you quarantine, then you test again. And I'll just I'll just put it this way: someone recently returned to WWE and they were out for three weeks. So um, mm-hmm. 
you know, it's, uh, again, I just feel like just telling the fans being like, look, this is technically the main event, but we have some COVID tests, you know, COVID, COVID positives. This might not be your main event, especially to people that are paying for tickets, you know, that are going to that show expecting that match. Um, that's mm-hmm. one of your main events. Just be honest. Yeah, exactly. I'm, I'm right there with you. I was just going to say all other sports leagues, you know, the NFL, the NBA are completely upfront. Player is on the COVID protocol list, whether or not they tested positive or whether or not they were exposed. It feels like it's only appropriate for WWE to handle it the same way. I know sports and sports entertainment are two different things. But being upfront, being honest, I think transparency would go a long way. I, I, I get what you're saying with them being two different things, but at the same time, they're not. Because you see in the NFL, in, in basketball, in hockey as well, there's physical contact with your opponents and even with your own teammates. So, uh, you know, in wrestling, it's a little bit more because you're you're not covered in equipment like right. like like in other sports and stuff like that, which kind of helps. And you're, you're not that interactive with the crowd. You're, you're not as close to the audience. So, uh, you know, I think um, I hate to put it again this way, but the door is a little more open in the wrestling world for for this to happen, I think, maybe. Yeah, you hear the the card subject to change excuse a lot, but that always should be if if you absolutely must, you know, if if someone just missed their flight, they cannot get there. But if you know it well ahead and, you know, in advance, again, you're getting people to pay for this show. Um, I just, I don't know. I just feel like they, it's one of those things they've always done. You know, I, I remember going to a show and gosh, it was like 90, I think it was 91 and half the people weren't there. It was like ultimate warrior and Rick Rude were supposed to be there. And main event ended up being Mr. Perfect against tugboat or something like that. So, um, but yeah, you know, and it, I drove out from Virginia to DC for this show. And they never announced it. They clearly knew well ahead of time. Rick Rude had quit the company. Um, well, I don't know. I just feel like it's one of those things. If you know, just be upfront with the the fans. They they know what's going on. They'll they'll be with you. Yeah, I, I, I was just gonna say. Speaking of those trickle down yeah. effects too, we're seeing it also. Another news topic we were gonna cover tonight uh, mm-hmm. are some of the big names being absent from Raw in the backstage capacity. Uh, this comes from PW Insider and Ringside News. Vince McMahon, Bruce Prichard, Kevin Dunn, Adam Pierce, and Michael P.S. Hayes all not present at Raw. Uh, lead writer Ed Kosky and head of talent relations. John Laurinaitis were running the show tonight. This, I mean, it's hard to tell when a lot of the talent are absent from Monday Night Raw, on-screen talent, that is. But, man, is that just the entire creative force behind WWE? Those those names are, are people who are so, their DNA is intertwined in the show's script every single week. Uh, Jimmy, I'll, I'll go to you first. Did you notice, uh, did you feel their absence tonight, those five names? Uh, and if so, was it for the better, or do you think they were just trying to work with what they had? I don't know if I felt their absence, but there were there were certain little things with uh, the way the uh, the camera angles were cut and that sort of thing that I noticed that maybe Kevin wasn't in the truck, calling the camera shots, you know, uh, ready to cut the two, ready one, shoot, you know, that kind of stuff, you know, going on. Um, as far as the in ring style and and what was going on, I thought everything was. Uh, okay for what it was I, I didn't notice any difference there i'm just curious as to whether they were not there because they're being cautious 
under the circumstances or, you know, like, you know, they do have the pay-per-view coming up Saturday. So maybe they just want to stay isolated, stay in, uh, you know, in, um, uh, what do they call it? Their own lockdown until they need to be in Atlanta. Yeah. Under quarantine on their own until they need to be in Atlanta on, on Saturday or even Friday night. Yeah. And I'm sure Vince at his age, you want to keep him safe, you know, and just kind of, if there's, I mean, this was kind of like last year when there was that two weeks of just a ton of people getting COVID and it, it felt like it tonight. Like it just felt like it was just thrown together. Um, and, and for what it was for sh- thrown together show, it, I didn't think it was bad at all. I thought they did a good job um, for doing what they could. Um, but, you know, again, I, 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 not to sound like a broken record, but I felt like just being honest with the crowd at the beginning and mm-hmm. just saying, but Anyway, yeah, we'll, the, we'll get into the show. Absolutely. We, we will get into the show. Before we do, one more news topic, but I did want to uh, bring up some super chats. Sophie uh, coming in clutch so many today. When did Gl- uh, Glenn get younger and less nerdier? Well, I, I could speak on, on the young, sure, but less nerdy. I, I don't know if you know what I do outside of pro wrestling, but I'm all comic books and movies. I'm I'm as big of a nerd as, as anyone can can be. But we also have another super chat. From Sophie, thoughts on Saturday pay-per-views <clears throat> moving forward. Personally, as a young person where my Saturday nights I'd still like to kind of have to myself, uh, it's a little awkward. I, I prefer the Sunday pay-per-views, but I do appreciate the change. Uh, I like that uh, in 2022, at least we're getting a little bit of a balance, a mix of both. I know WWE is running a historically uh, plethora of, uh, of Saturday pay-per-views. Uh, throughout the year, including some of their big shows, obviously one night of WrestleMania. I believe SummerSlam is on a Saturday this year. A Hmm. whole bunch of shows taking place on the first day of the weekend. Raj, what are your thoughts on Saturday pay-per-views? You know, now that uh, the the concern is no longer uh, uh, streams and pay-per-view buys, you know, like it used to be. And they're getting their money guaranteed from Peacock. So the the new money that they're going to be getting is from tickets, you know, and ticket sales. And, and that's why you're seeing so many more stadium shows this year. And if you're doing a stadium show, it makes sense to do it on Saturday. That's when most people can make it. Mm-hmm. It it just makes all the sense of the world. So it's, it's a very smart move. I prefer it on a Sunday because like you, Liam, uh, just with family, you know, uh, uh, God, three nights a week are, are wrestling <laughs> nights. So it is nice having the weekends uh, yeah. with my daughters and my wife, but, uh, but for WWE, it makes all the sense in the world. No, I, I, I totally agree with what you're saying. But at the same time, you know, it's a traditional thing. It's kind of like up here in Canada. We have hockey night in Canada on Saturday nights. It's a tradition. You sit home with your family. You sit, with, especially like me and my dad used to love watching the Maple Leafs on Saturday night. Yes, I know not everybody's a big Leaf fan. And probably being the only one that was alive here the last time the, the Leafs won the Stanley Cup. It, it, it was something you did. You you became accustomed to it. And having uh, quote unquote pay-per-views, like you said, Raj, now it's it's a streaming service on, on Peacock in the United States. It's still a pay-per-view up here in Canada, yeah. uh, more or less, or on the WWE Network. You have to order the WWE Network, which is kind of similar to the, you know, subscribe to Peacock kind of thing. But right. yeah, again, the business model has changed. All the money is now in television and, and the streaming services. So you, you want to make that extra money, you got to sell some tickets, put mm-hmm. some butts in the seats. And uh, like you said, bigger venues will do that. If you, but you got to get them in there. You got to talk them into the building. Right. 
Yeah, I'm right there with you guys. Uh, I do think the Saturday pay-per-views from a ticket standpoint make a lot of sense. But from a consumer standpoint, as a viewer, I do you know, appreciate the Sundays just a little bit more. Uh, SummerSlam in July, that is weird. That yeah, is it weird. was very yeah. odd uh, when the pay-per-view schedule came out. I did notice that one. Uh, it stuck mm-hmm. out amongst the rest. Before we get into Raw, though, we do have one last news topic. To cover uh, some sad news, Marcus Crane. Oh, I'm sorry, real quick, just yeah, real yeah. quick, with the SummerSlam in July. Were you, um, Jimmy, were you with WWF when Bulldog and Brett wrestled in at Wembley? I was with them, but I wasn't in Wembley. Okay. Because it's supposed yeah. to be the 20 or the 30th anniversary of that match. Oh, my goodness. Is, was that long ago? But they're, that, yeah. but they're doing, you know, London oh, in September. Yes. And SummerSlam in July. That just mm-hmm. doesn't make sense. I don't get it. Uh, it, it would have been nice, uh, you know, celebrating that 30-year anniversary to do the actual SummerSlam pay-per-view or, yeah. or event in the UK. Oh, man. That, yeah. that, that's a great call. That, that, I, that would have been something definitely to think about. Yeah. And... Yeah, Liam. Oscar Romo. Uh, Liam is everywhere from showdown to this salute. If you are, <laughs> if you are a fan of uh, any of the, the action guys, Ben Bateman or Andrew Guy... Uh, yeah, I used to do uh, used to do some work with Shimoda, and that's uh, that's really cool that you noticed that. I'm sending love from Jax Callens. Uh, have a blessed new year. Hi, new guy. Hello, Jax. Uh, I'm I'm glad to be making so many friends uh, tonight. This is fun. Um, but before we get into Raw, as I mentioned, uh, one last bit of news. Uh, unfortunately, uh, some sad news. Marcus Crane passed away at the age of 33. Uh, some bits about Marcus Crane. He was trained by Chris Hero and Danny Daniels. He was in the, an independent wrestling veteran of 12 years. Uh, competing most notably for IWA Mid-South and All-American Wrestling. And he was one of the earliest members of the current, what is now known as Game Changer Wrestling roster. Uh, Crane was forced to retire in December 2019 due to a skull infection leaking into his brain, which Crane would eventually have a successful operation on and even return to the ring this past April, winning a very brief match at a GCW show during WrestleMania weekend. And he was training for a full-time return to the ring before he passed away today. Guys, uh, any reactions to the Marcus Crane news? I admittedly am not too familiar with his work, but I do know how much he meant to not just GCW fans, not just the deathmatch wrestling fans, but just independent wrestling fans as a whole. Jimmy, I'll go to you first. Are you familiar with Marcus Crane and do you have any fond memories of him? I'm a little familiar with him. I haven't had the 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 pleasure to have met him or anything like that. I uh, I know Nick 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 Hausman is uh, mm-hmm. good friends with him. I, it's just sad for 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 not only him for anyone to go through something like that. I mean, you know, when you're when you're talking about the brain and injuries to the brain, whether whether it's like an if I, if I'm not mistaken, it was an infection that that from that leaked in and had the surgery, the successful surgery, but at the same time, after something serious like that, you have to be very cautious and and. I feel, I just feel terrible for him. I feel terrible for his friends, his family. Uh, it's just horrible news. It's just horrible news. I, uh, but unfortunately I never had the pleasure to, to meet the young man. Yeah. I, you know, you mentioned Nick, Nick was really close with him. I, yeah, I didn't know him that well. Um, I, I, I've never, I never met him. Um, but just anyone, you know, passing away that early at, at 33 yeah. and, you know, I, I know Nick it was close friends with them and um, sound like a really good guy. And mm-hmm. uh, just Jesus, 33, you know, um, it's it's messed up. Yeah, yeah, it's very sad news. All of us at Wrestling Inc. and everyone in the wrestling community uh, wishes just 
good fortune to the Crane family. Uh, we're thinking of Marcus Crane on tonight's show. Uh, let's get into Monday Night Raw now. The show opened with Riddle and Randy Orton uh, in the ring with a promo. We had the whole you know Christmas comedy bit between Riddle uh, and Randy Orton. Alpha Academy interrupts. We get an impromptu match between Riddle and Chad Gable. Two, uh, a lot of people on Twitter, especially in my timeline, were just pointing out how technically sound these two competitors are it's mm. it's often glossed over i feel uh in wwe matchups in particular some of just the dream styles that get to clash inside a wwe squared circle uh mm. randy orton uh was also on the outside for that match as well as otis as they were hyping up their match that would come later in the show riddle did defeat chad gable with a floating bro and then we shortly after got randy orton and otis guys first let's talk about that match between riddle and chad gable jimmy i'll go to you first what do you think of this contest did it live up to the very impromptu hype because this is a match as i mentioned the styles just match so perfectly uh it kind of did but at the same time i felt it wasn't long enough i wanted more these two guys were so good and and as someone who wasn't fully on board with this, this Riddle character in its current iteration, like the, the Spicoli thing that's going on, uh, I, ha I have now gravitated towards him. I, I'm kind of, I kind of feel like Randy here. I, I, I kind of like what I'm seeing from him. I'm enjoying it from a comedy standpoint, but I'm also enjoying what he's doing in the ring. And I'm invested. And I would have liked to have seen this match last a little bit longer you know, especially considering the circumstances where they're a little bit shorthanded tonight. I think they, they could have afforded them a little more time. That's all. Raj? Yeah. Yeah. The, I thought the match was, you know, Chad Gable is kind of a, he's underutilized in a lot of ways. He can talk, he can go in the ring. He, he just has it all. And I, you know, I know WWE uh, probably feels like he's too small, but man, he can go on the mic. He I mean, he's he's really good, and uh, he just showed it here. I thought that was a fantastic eight minutes or whatever it was. And his promo, uh, he's just one of those. Uh, I, I just like to see him see more of him and see him more utilized. Uh, yeah, I don't know. Just something again, little things that pop into your head when when you hear someone else saying something. Uh, maybe if he enlisted the services of a former Olympic gold medalist and former mm. WWE champion. Can you see, I can almost taste Chad Gable and Kurt Angle getting together. Kurt Angle from like a coach standpoint, doesn't have to bump or anything like that. You know what I mean? And right. Like I, not only could it be comedy gold, but it could be in ring gold as well. And that's what they originally wanted for Riddle, I believe. I remember hearing rumblings when Riddle was making his SmackDown debut in the middle of the pandemic when shows were on, uh, you know, no fans and whatnot. They were going to have Kurt Angle be Riddle's full-time manager, but I believe he backed out of the role or he well, said he they, didn't they, want to do it on a full-time basis. Yeah, yeah. We we had an interview with Kurt and he he said they asked him to do it, but he, he turned it down flat. Mm -hmm. He just, uh, he wasn't into that. But I feel like Chad Gable was... A better fit oh yeah they, they basically have the same name too like the way it just rolls off the tongue chad gable kurt angle like not even just the syllables i've always felt that they they modeled a lot of chad gable's character after him but getting on further in this segment we had randy orton and otis have a match which was i believe at least advertised in the hours leading up that was something that they kind of built around can Randy hit the RKO on Otis, which I appreciate little storylines like that. You know, it doesn't always have to be big, but giving a match a little added incentive of investment. And Randy Orton did just that. He defeated Otis with the RKO. 
Raj, I'll go to you first. What did you think about this kind of impromptu match uh, as well between Randy Orton and Otis, the kind of age-old technique of putting two tag partners against each other in singles action back-to-back? Yeah, I mean, I I, I get the feeling (laughs) like this is the end of Otis's push that they've done the last few weeks. I I hope I'm wrong. Um, But... And, you know, I thought it was good. Yeah, like like you said, it was a, a short little story building to this match. Uh, it, you know, I, I I never got the feeling like they were going with Otis all the way. It always seemed like it was a short-term thing. Um, man, I just forget, like, how over Otis was last year, you know, in, in February when he was doing the stuff with Mandy and he was doing the worm. And he, I just feel like... There was an opportunity lost with that that character that he was doing, especially in front of fans. Yeah, Jimmy. Yeah. No, no, I agree with that. I, I, I kind of miss that old Otis character. I thought there, this was leading to something completely different, and mm. I think, like you said, there is a lost opportunity here to have this new aggressive Otis. What I did like about it was, like you said, the story of the match, teasing can Randy hit the RKO on this big guy, and and. Even though he is very physical and big, Otis, he did he does go to the top rope one time, pretty much. You know what I mean? It's right. a, He can do a lot of stuff, but he only does it when he needs to do it as opposed to just trying to squeeze it in just to get it in. As opposed, It makes sense in the match. And I also love the fact that RKO is a finish that is a finish. Do you know what I mean? It, it hasn't been, uh, you know... Prostitute. Prostitute. <laughs> yeah, I, I hate using that, but you know, I, I don't know what our our, our language parameters are here. I, I wasn't going to no, say something you, else, but anyways, but you know what I mean. You hit the RKO, you know that's it. You yeah, know, I got a lot like, of I, I got a lot of heat on Twitter the other uh, yesterday because I tweeted something about how you know you when pile driver. Well, I, w- I was saying in general, but uh, a lot of people took it as I was I was referring to the pile driver. But yes, you know if if. Yeah. A move looks like it should kill you. I, I know, you know, the, the, that's particular spot. They're paying homage to Taz and, you know, uh, the stuff he did back in the day. But if a move looks like it should kill you, you sell it. Otherwise, it just tells everyone it never really hurt to begin with. And yeah. when you, once you do that, especially, and look, uh, there were Okada Omega matches that did that. They're like hitting each other with tombstones on the ring apron and they're kicking out at two. If you're hitting someone in the head with something that looks like it should kill them, act like it kills you because it makes it more impressive as opposed to just getting that cheap pop by kicking out it too. That's my opinion. Um, I know a lot of people don't agree, but. I'm on board with you. And like you said, I get it. Taz used to do it, but Taz had no neck. (laughs) <laughs> sorry sorry yeah. taz don't come out don't choke me out <laughs> and i mean think about the aura we have right now around the one-winged angel like even though technically omega right. kicked out of hangman's version we still haven't seen anyone kick out of omega's one-winged angel and that's a storyline that just gets subtly grown week after week every time omega is on television the same thing happening with with orton's rko i feel like when you keep building it up eventually when someone kicks out on pay-per-view it should mean something you know you can still look great in defeat and that's a way to build that up so i'm right there with you guys uh we did get a backstage segment shortly after that uh with kevin owens uh we got a pre-recorded message from big e within there uh owens said the usual i'm taking the title at day one big e says no you're not i'm gonna retain 
blah, blah, blah. Uh, and Sophie also sends in the super chat, your thoughts on the pay-per-view build. Well, we can kind of talk about this, this fatal four-way in, in cohesion with the super chat there. The fatal four-way build has been a little awkward and I feel like it's not necessarily all of WWE's fault. Circumstances have gotten in the way of having your main stars on the weekly show. Uh, but I feel like they've done what they could, you know, having MVP on tonight's show, uh, furthering Bobby Lashley's placement, having those pre-recorded segments as awkward as they are, at least reminding us that those stars still have a presence on Monday Night Raw. Jimmy, I'll go to you first, uh, just kind of answering uh, Sophie's question there. What are your thoughts on the pay-per-view build for day one so far? So far, uh, like you said, under the circumstances, they're doing what they can. But uh, see, again, if there's a question as to whether... For example, a Seth Rollins will be cleared to be able to participate. I think that needs to be addressed as, a, as opposed to saying, hey, I'm going to be there and I'm going to do this and I'm going to do that. And uh, like we said, the only person from the match that appeared live on television tonight was Kevin Owens, who, by the way, is one of the most underrated, not only talkers, but in-ring performers, man. Um, he, he really, on his own tonight, pretty much carried the bill to that match. And I thought he, like, like I said, he's very underrated. And I thought he did a heck of a job under the circumstances. Raj, how about you? Yeah, I mean, um, yeah, I, I agree. Kevin Owens really, you know, uh, took the he he really took the load on his shoulders uh, tonight to because it was all built on him. You know, Big E, they, he did a cell phone promo. Uh, Seth Rollins did a cell phone promo. It's just not the same. Um, yeah, I mean, it's just, um, you know, uh, under the circumstances, you got to go with the, the cards you're dealt, and, and these are the cards that are dealt. Again, you know, I'm not going to, uh, I'll stop saying it over and over, but <laughs> I think mentioning it, then, you know, you prepare people for, and again, you can make it exciting, you know, just because, because uh, realistically, how many of these matches do you see end up taking place? Do you see that four way taking place as advertised? I got. I gotta say no. Yeah, I don't see it either. We'll and see. At, but at the same time, too, the the beauty of having it be a four way before this situation came in is removing Rollins from the equation. Sure, you lose one piece of the puzzle, but you can still have a triple threat match. It's not like sure. say a disaster situation where if Roman were to contract COVID, besides obviously the health precautions because he's immunocompromised. Having Brock Lesnar be without an opponent at day one, that would be something for concern. But losing Seth Rollins, I don't think is the end of the world. And I feel like in this scenario in particular, just err on the side of caution and remove him from the match or delay the pay-per-view, which they're not going to do at this point, not only because it's too close, but the show is called day one, pushing it to next Saturday. Yeah, calling day, it day, day eight. eight. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> it doesn't exactly have that marketing appeal to it. So, I feel like this is a match where you you can be afforded to remove a piece of the puzzle, and they'll still put on a banger. As yep, as and it gives. Oh, sorry, oh. and it gives Kevin Owens an out if that's the the, the direction it goes. Yeah. yeah, but it depends which piece too. You take out Big E, then all of a sudden you don't have the world title. Sure. Um, mm -hmm. So, you know, again, I I just think being honest sometimes oh. is the best. Yeah. Yeah. Very true. I'm right there with you. We also have another super chat from Steven Marculici. I hope I pronounced that right. I'm very sorry if I didn't. Um, what do you guys think of the NWO style angle with some of the released guys? WrestleMania weekend, Cross and Braun in the hall and Nash rolls. Is, is this referring to the whole control your narrative thing with EC3? 
because I know Braun showed up at Final Battle, Ring of Honor. Obviously, Ring of Honor is not exactly running weekly shows anymore, but it seems like Braun is going to be linked to EC3 going forward. And I did remember seeing uh, Karrion Cross, Killer Cross in the Control Your Narrative T on social media. So I don't know if this is necessarily referring to a, a WWE-style invasion of Cross and Braun, but uh, I do think they could be solid lackeys for an EC3-style NWO uh, stable moving forward. Raj, do you have any thoughts on this? I'm seeing some perplexed faces right now. <laughs> you, you can't do lightning in a bottle twice. You know, it, It's just going to look like a, a ripoff. Um, it, I mean, again, it depends how you do it. If you do it, some something different, but you know, cross and brawn, where, uh, if it's an impact, that doesn't mean anything. Um, ROH, it doesn't mean anything anymore. I, I, I'm just being totally blunt here. Um, the only place it would mean something, I guess is AEW. And then, but if they did that, it would look like a, a ripoff. So I just don't think you could do that. Yeah. And, uh, and again, no disrespect uh, to cross and brawn, but the, uh, star power wise, they are not Kevin Nash or Scott Hall. So it will not have that same effect. And EC3, as good a talker as he is, and the way he could probably help get that angle over, he's not he he he's not that that name, that big name. Right. And Hall and Nash worked, and they probably would have worked regardless, but adding Hogan, the biggest you know, star of you know, him and between him and Austin and the rock, it, mm-hmm. you know, uh adding that into the equation that's a whole different story so absolutely we have a few more super chats also talking about day one uh first from stellar justin lopez he says he was thinking if one of those guys can't go in the four-way you can have the winner of edge and miz be added to the match as a possible solution this is interesting and i i could see it as a way to kind of further the edge and miz feud miz kind of cheating to win nefarious means they have a rematch at royal rumble possibly um, but I, I would be surprised if they pull this kind of uh, solution so late in the game. Then again, it could happen uh, on the day of the pay-per-view. I think back to Money in the Bank, I want to say 2012, when The Miz kind of came out on the day of the show and said, I'm also going to be in the Money in the Bank ladder match alongside, I believe it was Cena, Big Show, Jericho, and someone else, maybe Daniel Bryan. Um, but either way, I, I think that could be a fun solution. Again, if you're dead set on it being a fatal four-way, I think, you know, save Big E, this match still works as a triple threat with any of the competitors remaining in the field. Uh, Jimmy, what are your thoughts on this? It's an interesting idea, but at the same time, I I, I like what you're saying. This was originally a four-way between those four guys and adding someone from outside kind of muddies the water, so to speak. And, And I think you have a better out for, let's say, a Kevin Owens or even a Bobby Lashley if one of the participants in that are really originally scheduled for the match does not make it to the match. That's yeah, just my how opinion. How about you? Yeah. You know, again, you know, there are times when sometimes WWE will over deliver when they can't, when something happens. You, you, I, you remember a few years ago when Roman Reigns had the, he got the mumps and like Bray Wyatt and Finn Balor couldn't happen. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, and that paper, he, he, <laughs> Bray Wyatt was Red angle uh, in the shield gear. He, he was he was uh, <laughs> Sister Abigail. Yep. Uh, so Sister Abigail and Finn Balor can happen. And they kind of over delivered on that one. They did Finn versus AJ, and then they did Kurt Angle's first match in WWE since his his first run. So 
but uh, you, you know, again, to what you're saying, it's a four way. You lose one aspect, it's not a big deal. Uh, if Big E is not able to do that match, then I, you know, I think you have to do something that kind of makes up for it. Yeah, I'm absolutely right there with you guys. Sophie also sends in another super chat. So many tonight. Thank you so much, Sophie, for supporting Wrestling Inc. Uh, she says that she could see a few of the matches not happening. As we mentioned, the, the fatal four-way is the one everyone points to, but also the women's title match uh, with Becky Lynch and Liv Morgan, the Raw women's title match, that is. Obviously, Lynch being uh, the wife of Seth Rollins. Uh, we've seen this happen before when Renee Young tested positive for covid last year and then that affected a john moxley title defense even though i'm not sure if moxley ever tested positive for covid i do know they delayed his defense i believe it was against brian cage one week from a fighter fest to a fight for the fallen so yeah i don't know about you guys but lynch versus morgan i do see being up in the air and raj um, probably much to your chagrin I could see them pulling storyline reasons as to why Lynch isn't defending rather than being up front and saying they're erring on the side of caution. Yeah. Um, I, I could see that too, but it's, you got the, you got the reason right there. Um, but, but see, but in this situation, you, we know it's not a secret that, that, that her and Seth are together and they have a new baby. Right. So she, you know, she could say she can, but not very heelish, but in a way she yeah. could refuse to do the match saying, listen, I'm putting my, the health of myself and my baby that if you want to come and take this from me, WWE, you come and take it, pry it out of my hands or whatever. And then it puts the heat on WWE. And maybe this is a way, because as we've seen, the fans want to cheer Becky Lynch really oh, yeah. bad. No matter what she does, she, you know, she's trying to get that heel reaction. It's not happening. So turn it around on him. Hey, WWE. You're going to make me do this? You're, I'm not doing this for, for the safety of my family. So if you want this, you come and take it. I was saying, I, I mentioned it on Twitter earlier, that uh, Becky Lynch is like Brian Danielson, AEW. No one really dislikes him. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, They're booing Becky. They're booing Dan- Danielson just because that's part of the show. You're going mm-hmm. along with it. But they don't really hate uh, those characters. And if you don't really hate them, then turn them babyface and maximize them to their full mm-hmm. potential. Yeah, and Becky was a, a pseudo babyface for like a month when that whole feud with Charlotte was going on because of just everything that was happening in real life. They did kind of position her as the face in that feud. So putting her she's on the baby biggest babyface in the company. Yeah, she gets you know, it was. Yeah. Yeah, I'm right there with you. Uh, let's keep moving on uh, with Monday Night Raw, though. If we even want to really talk about the mixed tag match between... Reggie and Dana Brooke defeating our truth and Tamina very quick, uh, you know, very comedy uh, bit. Uh, afterwards, we got a backstage segment with Nikki A.S.H. Uh, challenging Carmella and Queen Zelina to a rematch for the women's tag titles, which was confirmed later in the show uh, to, I believe, happen at day one. Uh, Jimmy, I'll go to you first. What are your thoughts on, I, I guess, also the mixed tag match, but more importantly, the rematch we're getting with Nikki A.S.H.? And Rhea Ripley taking on women's tag team champions, Carmella and Queen Zelina. I get there's supposed to be a pacing to the show. And there's supposed mm-hmm. to be a little bit of ups and downs and kind of letting people hang back and relax. And I guess that's what this mixed tag match was designed to be, was that little, okay, here's a little break from real action. We're just going to have a little bit of fun here. But it just, it, it doesn't resonate with me. I, I, I'm sorry. And, and especially in a situation where it was a mixed tag match and the announcers were under the impression that it was women versus women and men versus men. There was not going to be inter, um, 
in the ring, but the referee was kind of not aware of this. I think they need to get on the same page if they're going to have, you know, I, I get on AEW for the, for, for rule infractions, so to speak. They, they need to be more aware too. And um, again, it just, I don't know. It wasn't as entertaining as it could have been, I think. Yeah. I mean, the for me, the 24 seven segments have just turned into uh, you know, a sandwich break or, you know, but, uh-huh. <laughs> uh, and, and it's too bad. Cause I, I, I think our truth is fantastic. I think Reggie has done a great job. Dana Brooke, she has a certain charisma to her that you want to get behind her. And then, uh, and then Tamina's led, you know, father of the legendary Jimmy Snuka has been around a long time. So it's like all these people that you want to get behind, but as soon as the 24-7 title is in there, you just know it's a joke segment. You don't have to take it seriously. And it just, it, I don't know. It, as soon as I see that, I'm just thinking of other stuff. So mm-hmm. I'd yeah. like to see them move beyond this. Our, our truth has been sad this for a long time. And granted, uh, it's it's done well for him. He's featured on the show regularly. But mm-hmm. um, yeah, I don't know. I thought this was terrible. Yeah, I'm right there with you, Raj. I was just gonna say it's it's also my my bathroom break segment of just about every time it's featured in WWE programming, and it's unfortunate because the 24/7 title, when it was first introduced, I thought had a lot of promise. They could have a lot of fun with defending it on social media. We talk about how uh, it could have been the hardcore title of the modern digital age, with having defenses happen on Twitter, TikTok, being really creative, and they have done that occasionally. But often it becomes an afterthought of how are we going to, as you said, Jimmy, break up the pacing of this show, sneak Mm -hmm. in a 24-7 segment. So I think it's unfortunate, um, and I I would love for them to actually take the title, not necessarily seriously, but at least put some effort behind the segments. Or get rid of it. Yeah. (laughs) You know what's sad, though? Because one of my most fun moments for me was actually a 24-7 hardcore championship uh, thing I did way back when that took place in the APA office when Gerald Briscoe snuck in mm. on a sleeping crash Holly <laughs> and we quietly counted the one, two, three, you know, and, and it, it can be fun. It's just, now it's just like you said, it just seems like, ah, we'll put them out there and let them have, it'll take up 15 minutes or 10 minutes or whatever it is. It's gotten very formulaic. Whereas yes. before you were trying to think of new <laughs> ideas and, you know, like, they, they, every now and then they do something different, like a golf course or, you yep. know, stuff like that. Mm-hmm. But outside of that, it's pretty much always just a backstage segment. Our truth is hiding. Uh, Tazawa is hiding and mm-hmm. they're trying to sneak up on whoever's got the belt. And yeah. it's just very redundant. Yeah. Circling they, back. Some of those, uh, some of those hardcore championship, uh, <laughs> those were great. Yeah. back. They, the they were fun. I, I, I'm, I'm being honest. Like, uh, that one always stood out to me because we did the whole, you know, I'm walking around the door and, and Jerry is telling me, you know, Mr. B is telling me, no, you got to go through the door, you know? <laughs> and of course we sneak out with the championship title. I trip over a chair and cause crash to wake up. And now we run to the, it was, I don't know. It just felt more fun back then. Yeah. And they, they make for a great YouTube compilation for, for younger viewers like myself <laughs> who weren't watching it week to week, but they're, they're fun to go back and revisit uh, circling back to, to our, conversation about what's going to happen with the day one WWE title match 
Uh, Sophie, another super chat. Again, thank you so much for, for sending them in tonight. Thank the Rumble, so Big E versus Rollins, maybe. I think you have a natural storyline there. If Rollins can't compete, he he certifies himself as I am the rightful next contender, mm-hmm. and he gets that singles match with Big E at the Rumble. Uh, Jimmy, any, any thoughts on this? Is this possibly a perfect solution to the current situation? Uh, I don't know if I'd use the word perfect, but it is a solution because it, he, he misses out on this match on Saturday, and then he has a beef that he can go to management for, and he could just every week just be this annoying heel that says, I was robbed of an opportunity. I was certain to win the championship on this day, and and it it he could have that match and then also in – not win it at the Royal Rumble and then insert himself into the Royal Rumble match and try to, you know what I mean? There's, there's so many possibilities to go there. So I could see it happening. Raj, how about you? Uh, who do you feel of, who do you feel feels like the bigger star right now? Lashley or Big E? I would still say Big E. I, I know it's not even just the title uh, rub, but I I pay attention, you know, obviously beyond the weekly programming mm-hmm. and seeing him do interviews with ESPN and, mm-hmm. and Sports Illustrated and seeing him on top of headlines. He feels like a bigger star, but I, I see where you're getting at with Lashley kind of felt he was treated almost like a bigger star when he had the title because he had the suits on, he had the mouthpiece, so... Mm-hmm. Yeah. Just now they're kind of teasing the babyface turn. Um, I think it overshadows Big E a bit, and um, mm-hmm. you know, I, I just feel like they haven't really booked Big E strong, and yeah. and so it's kind of like he's a victim of the the booking. You know, you don't mm-hmm. book him strong; they don't see him as strong. You don't see a Big E right now like a Roman Reigns, I, and I, again I, like a, a Bobby Lashley. I feel like Bobby Lashley is just. He, he beat all the people in, in mm. you know, the four-way. What, la- was that last week or two weeks ago? Right. No, see, see you're right, though. It, it, see, and I understand that you want the baby face to gain some sympathy. You want people to get behind him and want to see him come back. But when you build someone up like a big E to be strong, when you do get that heat on him, it means so much more. And and that's, that's the part I think uh, is missing right now. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I hear that both. He's um, selling too much. He's selling way too much. Yeah, that's a good point. He he could use some dominant victories, some he non-title like semi with Austin Theory, and that's no offense to Austin mm-hmm. Theory. I think mm-hmm. Austin Theory. Oh, he, he wasn't. The, oh well. Again, Couple I guess there's ago. extraneous circumstances, but <laughs> mm-hmm. yeah. Um, yeah, yeah. Uh, continuing of Monday Night Raw here, though, we did get a pretty big tag match between the Street Profits and the Mysterios. Uh, number one contendership on the line to Raw Tag Team Champions, RK Bro. The Street Profits did pick up the win after Montez Ford hit a blockbuster on Dominic, got him for the pinfall victory. Profits celebrated as RK Bro watched very sideways on a TV from backstage. <laughs> um, what did you guys think about this match? Jimmy, I'll go to you first. Personally, I had a lot of fun with this uh, mm-hmm. because I just think Montez Ford is a single star just waiting to burst. Uh, yeah, he's got a lot of personality. He's got he ticks all the boxes when it comes to being a single star. But uh, their tag team is they do they're they're a good team. And facing the Mysterios, I think there's a longer plan going on with the Mysterios here. I, I don't I don't want to overshot overlook the match because I thought the match was enjoyable, told a good story. But I think there were little seeds planted in that match that I think down the road will lead to a match at WrestleMania. Like I keep thinking. What would be more exciting for a father 
uh, tagging with their son at WrestleMania or actually facing them at a WrestleMania. Maybe Dominic gets upset with his dad for trying to, you know, overcoach him or whatever the case may be. I said, you're trying too hard. Listen, you know, get out of my face and let me be me. And no, you need coaching. You're a young guy. You still need the veteran, you know, um, uh, expertise to someone to help you along. And there's that little conflict there that builds at WrestleMania. And at the end of WrestleMania, they can, you know, hug it out for lack of a better term, but you know, facing your son at WrestleMania, prouder moment for the dad. I don't know. Jimmy, you mentioned earlier in this podcast, you know, sometimes sparks fly when people are talking. I can't think of a better way to end that match, too. You build it as not necessarily face versus heel, of not necessarily face versus face, rather, but have have Ray get a little frustrated. But Ray has always said he's he's not wanted to work heel against his son in a mm-hmm. match. And I don't think it's any accident, as you mentioned, that Dominic took the pinfall in this match, as Seed does feel like it's being planted there. I don't know if Ray is ready to hang it up necessarily quite yet. But what better way, what better stage to do it on WrestleMania than to have Dominic defeat his father and Ray unmask and give his son the mask? Dominic has said, too, that he's wanted to take on the Ray Mysterio name and potentially wear a mask going forward. I think that that would be just... I'm getting chills just thinking about that right now. Me too. That would be a pretty epic moment. But again, if you're going to do that, I feel like how does Ray Mysterio continue after that? It would almost have to be a a semi-retirement match. And what if Dominic takes the mask and then kicks Ray in the nuts? <laughs> what a great heel move that would be. Oh my goodness. That, the ultimate heel move. <laughs> I, I, no, I love that idea. You know, it's funny. When was uh, Ray and Eddie at Halloween Havoc? Was that 97 or 96? You're asking the wrong guy. Yeah. <laughs> uh, I'll just say yes. <laughs> but, but, you know, because, you know, 96, there's a lot of the 25th anniversary in 96 because the NWO mm-hmm. started. That's when the wrestling wars really heated up. Mm-hmm. And to think that that's Ray was, okay, 97. Thanks. Thanks, Launchpad. <laughs> um, but to think how long Ray has been there. 25 years going week after week after week. And he does not, uh, he, he does not age. No. <laughs> no, like he just, he's the same. Uh, his, uh, his staying power is just ridiculous. Yeah. Him and Bobby, Bobby doesn't age either. And that just upsets me so much. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Cause even like you look at Jericho, Jericho's changed his character. Yeah. But Ray has still been the same guy. And the fact that that character has endured for so long, it's it's just crazy. And still over. Still it's still yeah. over. Yeah. yeah. Crazy pop tonight when he came out, which I thought was just, it's always wonderful to see. Him and I, like Jeff Hardy, have the same same nostalgia factor that still resonates with the crowd. Mm-hmm. feels like they're yeah. always going to be over no matter where yeah, they I don't go. feel yeah. like he's always used the best he can be. Like, mm-hmm. I, I feel like he's not treated as a legendary character like he can be. Mm-hmm. but um he's fantastic yeah. yeah as we move on here another super chat from sophie more two dollar <laughs> ones thank you so much uh jimmy you got a big fan one more but this is for my fave ref jimmy oh, corderas uh so we got a fan you. from from sophie uh moving on uh with the show though we did get a quick backstage segment with the miz which i wasn't going to put in my notes until one easy e showed up eric bischoff is here mm. he has a role later in the show we'll get to it in the main event segment uh, AJ Styles comes out for a promo in the ring, running down almost, saying he doesn't want to pay his dues to move to the top. Uh, we get none other than Grayson Waller in the crowd. He's get, got the sign, the Grayson Waller effect and everything. 
He comes in the ring. He says, Monday feels right. He says he's going to be a star and all that. AJ says, you got to earn your place. Apollo Crews, Commander Aziz, interrupts uh, impromptu match between AJ and Apollo. AJ wins a pretty competitive match with the Styles Clash for the 1-2-3. Surprising to not see Waller get uh, too involved after the the pre-match promo segment as they're kind of building a a bit of a TV feud between the two over on NXT on Tuesdays. Uh, Jimmy, I'll go to you first. How do you feel about uh, kind of this integration with NXT 2.0 and main roster stuff? Because we saw it a couple weeks ago with, I believe, Von Wagner had a backstage segment uh, mm-hmm. with Adam Pierce on SmackDown. Now we're seeing Grayson Waller pop up uh, on mm-hmm. Monday Night Raw. Uh, what do you feel about everything AJ Styles was doing tonight? I thought well, AJ is is incredible. I get, there's no ifs, ands, or buts about it. You know, he's one of the best performers out there, and uh, one of those guys that's underrated on the mic as well. He can talk as well. Yeah. Um, I uh, I don't I don't think AJ is the right look. If there's anybody going to elevate somebody, AJ can definitely elevate Waller. That's for sure. And or anybody of him going down to NXT. And I hate using the term going down to NXT because. When it was the black and gold, it felt like they were just as good or equal to the other brands out there. Now they feel like they're just, uh, um, for lack of a better term, developmental. And I get, and I get the change, as I've said before on here, to to have it more like the other shows, so that the the um, the young talent can understand what they're gravitating towards. Um, integrating them into the Monday nights and and kind of having it filter back, I think it may help. A little bit for NXT. NXT could use the help a little bit, you know, especially uh, with so many young talents down there that need some help from some veterans. Like a, they could learn so much from an AJ. It, clearly, they have some big plans for Grayson Waller because mm-hmm. that's a, you know, that's yeah. some prime real estate they gave. Me. <laughs> <laughs> you know, um, they haven't been featuring NXT guys on on the main roster uh, th- that much, or at least. Mm-hmm until they until they move and even then you know how often are we seeing uh you know shotzi blackheart it's it feels like it's few and far between so uh, you know aj was supposed to wrestle almost uh omos tonight mm-hmm. clearly that didn't happen um they dropped the Wagner story out of Sophie. <laughs> Sophie is just killing it on these chats tonight. <laughs> that is true. They dropped that storyline with Wagner out of nowhere. Mm-hmm. Um, but you know, AJ is AJ is fantastic on the mic, and I and yeah. I thought he did a great job tonight. But it just felt like no one knew who that who you know who, what was going on. Yeah, we sometimes automatically assume that. Because we watch Raw and SmackDown, we automatically watch NXT, and the crowd out there also watches NXT, and and we know that the numbers are nowhere close. Not even close, yeah. Not even close. So, yeah, I can see how a lot of people would be confused, and and that's one of the problems with NXT right now. I hate to go off on a tangent here, but it's they're bringing in a lot of new talent, and they haven't been introducing them to the audience prior to their introduction. Right. Or at least not enough. Like uh, the Tony D'Angelo thing was not bad. We got a few weeks of vignettes and stuff like that. But uh, for the most part, they're just throwing talent out there and saying go. Right. Yeah. And it's wild too to to compare really quickly the, the AEW audiences versus WWE audiences. Because WWE, you have a guy like Grayson Waller who's featured on weekly programming, was just in a main event slot on an NXT pay-per-view. 
and he gets, you know, crickets from a Monday Night Raw audience versus AEW, they'll bring in guys, you know, from New Japan or guys who aren't featured on weekly on TV at all, like Nick Gage, and they get massive pops because their audiences are so different. They have mm-hmm. wrestling fans in their crowds versus Raw, who sometimes it's just people who are going just for the attraction of it's professional wrestling, and they'll they'll cheer the big stars and the guys they don't really know, like a Grayson Waller, will get a crickets reaction. And it's not necessarily unfortunate, but that's just kind of the dynamic you work with when you have two very different uh, wrestling fan bases. Um, as we move on with this show i do do gotta say though with that also with aew when when they do bring in like the new japan stars the fans do pop in the crowd for it but the ratings are usually the lowest you know when when they did kenta uh that match was the lowest rated on that episode and Mm -hmm. uh, minoru suzuki uh didn't really do all that well so it's one of those things where uh if the tv audience doesn't know who you are uh, or is not that familiar with you? Uh, the local, you know, the the local crowd can know who you are, and it, it'll get a pop. But you still need to educate your fans on who these people are. Exactly. You're, you're, uh, if there's one thing that AEW tends to be a little bit guilty of is catering to that one specific core audience. Sure. Just assuming everyone tra- knows who. Exactly. Right? Exactly, and that and that broadening it a little bit, and I, I think they need to a little bit. Yeah. yeah, I hear that. As we move on with the show, we did get another chat from Sophie. Uh, does Liam know about the Monday Night Wars? I read about them on like the, the scroll uh, a long, long time ago. Now, I've watched, I've watched all the documentaries. I've actually been meaning to to binge watch uh, Nitro one day just to go through the glory days of everything with Sting and the Rafters and the NWO. So it's homework, but uh, I do know all the all the bullet points and whatnot. As we move on with the show, thank you. By do- the way, thank you, Sophie. Uh, I lived it, and it was it was amazing. We should. We need to do a podcast on that. Just going back and watching those. <laughs> and I'll I'll sit like a kid uh, on Christmas, being told stories of of old and whatnot. Um, the, the, but the as- crowd reactions back then are unlike anything you'll see. You know, mm-hmm. between Raw and Nitro in in ninety ninety seven to ninety nine, it was just insane. Yeah. Yeah. As we move on with the show, we get that very infamous segment we've been building to it. The Seth Rollins pre recorded bit on the cell phone. He's cackling. He's saying how he's going to win at day one and all that. He's dripped out. He's got the cell phone footage. Uh, He's positive for COVID-19, as we've mentioned many times throughout the show. If you're just now joining us, there's your news. Uh, On Sunday, he tested positive, uh, or at least he announced he was positive on Sunday, missed a live event per uh, that result, and he missed Monday Night Raw as well. But they are still advertising him for the day one pay-per-view. We've talked about this a lot even before we got to this segment specifically uh, but Raj, I'll go to you first since you've been mentioning this throughout this podcast. Uh, what did this segment do right, if anything, and what did it do wrong? I mean, uh, w- when I'm watching it, I'm not. Uh, did it make you more excited for Saturday? Is, and that's what a you know a go home promo should do. I, you know, I, it, it's interesting. I think uh, so. I don't know if WWE because they said they're stopping testing the the COVID testing but are they doing that for people that had COVID so like is Seth gonna need to return a negative COVID result before he comes back I'm assuming he has to um because that's you know then you could risk it the whole locker room getting infected so um anyway uh but yeah um 
Yeah, I think uh, the, the promo itself did nothing for me. Jimmy, how about you? No, I, I you asked what did he do right and what did he do wrong, and I if think anything. Yeah. if anything, uh, I, I you know I'm trying to think of what did they do right. Uh, if there wasn't the situation with the COVID, it was a fine promo. But then again, we do have the situation with the COVID and it's out there and people know it. So I think that hurts um, this presentation more than anything. And, and like Raj has been saying through the whole thing, just be honest. If he had come out and said, you're, you know, if, if, if it wasn't for somebody in a bad test, I don't believe I have, maybe even says, I don't believe I have it, but I have to listen to, you know, the, the protocols or whatever. And I have to wait and I have to quarantine and I have to do this, whatever the case may be, you can work it that way if you want to make it a work, so to speak, but at least spread some honesty into it. Yeah. I'm there with you. I, I keep saying throughout this podcast, transparency, I feel like would go a long way. I don't know the hesitations to not address the elephant in the room that a lot of people are questioning. Why isn't your champion on the show? Why isn't arguably your top heel on the show? Get it out of the way. I feel like you got to address it moving forward. And it will be addressed mm -hmm. if it does have any effects on Saturday's day one pay-per-view. Moving forward, Kevin Owens hits the ring, cuts that promo saying, you know, he's the only man from the title mm -hmm. match uh, in, in the ring. He's the only uh, man from the title match present at tonight's Monday Night Raw. He's interrupted by MVP. The Hurt Business follows shortly after. We get an impromptu match. Once again, uh, Kevin Owens and Cedric Alexander. Owens defeats Alexander with the stunner. Uh, uh, afterwards we had Shelton Benjamin hit the ring. He hit, got a stunner as well. Owens looking very strong tonight. If anything, if there's one positive to take away from, uh, the very talent, uh, light show we got, Owens looks like an absolute monster going into the fatal four way this Saturday. Uh, Raj, what did you think about this segment with Kevin Owens? As we mentioned throughout this show, really carrying the load of a go home title match build. And I thought he did wonders with what he was given. Yeah, so apparently the Hurt Business is together on COVID weeks. <laughs> so, um, you know, I, I I like seeing Cedric getting some TV time on Raw. He, I think he's super talented. He's a, he's a great worker in the ring. Uh, so it was great seeing him. Um, Kevin Owens is just fantastic. He's he's so good on the mic. He he's just carrying. He's doing all he can to carry the show. So I thought. Uh, I thought this was really good. You know, um, I, I thought the match was, you know, again, it's one of those, you knew who was going to win, but, um, but it was, it was fun for what it was. Yeah. Jimmy, how about you? No, I enjoyed the match very much. If I have one critique to make about the whole thing, but because I agree with what Raj said, both talented individuals, they both, you know, displayed that, especially Kevin Owens, who is just, Awesome time. My only issue was Kevin Owens is going into this match on Saturday, presumably as a heel, but in this situation, it was a kind of a gray area. So it, it, it's hard because who does the audience get behind? Because they want to boo Kevin Owens for what he did last week and what he's been doing leading up to this match on Saturday. But then again, he's facing another heel. So uh, I like what he's doing to Cedric Alexander, but I still don't want to see him. It, that, that gray area doesn't work for me. Yeah, they're treating like Lashley's kind of like a babyface. MVP's a, a babyface kind of in these segments. And then, uh, but then all of a sudden, Owens is hmm. like against Cedric, he's kind of the babyface in that match, right? Yeah. 
How do you how do you have how do you not be the baby face when it's like a two on one beat? Right. Like you, but then you, last week Lashley was the baby face and Owens and Rollins were the dirty heels. So it is all over the place. Yeah. Yeah. And even if he was the baby face in tonight's match, he was very much the heel in the promo before it. So it is kind of all right. over the place. I, I want to give a little slack due to what's going on with COVID, obviously. But mm-hmm. yeah, as you mentioned, the kind of gray area with the characters, it, it works for, for some tweeners. But, you know, these are not guys they're intending to push yeah. as tweeners. The flip-flopping with uh, the allegiances, I think, is very awkward. As we move on uh, through tonight's show, we have two more segments. The main event match, Dolph Ziggler and Damian Priest in a United States title match. Ziggler actually picks up the victory but by disqualification, Damian Priest let that dark side get to him. He was stomping him down in the corner. Referee counted to five, and Damian Priest didn't let up. He caused the DQ. Um, and before the match, we got a brief backstage promo. He's acting like a face, talking about how he's going to win. And then, obviously, uh, he acts like a heel towards the end of this match. Uh, Jimmy, I, I want to go to you first. Uh, not with a question about the match, but when whenever, as a referee, you have to enforce these five counts, and I know they often tell referees to mm-hmm. to call the match like a shoot, like you know mm-hmm. if if the competitors go against, you know that's how it's gonna be. Uh, how do you how do you ride that line of, of you know calling it like it is, but also you know knowing how it has to go down? Um, there's there's little things that, that that didn't sit well with me, especially in that finish. Uh, and I get what you're saying about the, when they tell you you know treat it like a shoot, but at the same time, there's a way to treat it like a shoot. And also, for for lack of a better term, fudge the numbers, so to speak. You know, mm-hmm. uh, when the referee started counting at the finish of this one, I knew that was the finish, just by the way he was counting. Wow. Okay. For, for, but that's me. It was a tell to me that by the way he was counting. Mm-hmm. There's a way to do it where you give the guy enough time to get his stuff in, and still be. Uh, what I didn't like about this particular finish, I get where they're trying to go with this, where Dolph Ziggler is pushing his buttons and trying to bring out that that anger out of Damian Priest, that 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 inner beast that that the that he's keeping locked in. I don't think he did enough to do that. He didn't. He he wasn't heel enough in that match to get that inner beast to get that to get Damian Priest to that point where he doesn't care about the rules and he's just going to beat the living crap out of him. And, uh, you know, uh, damn it, if I get disqualified, I don't care at this point. I didn't feel that. Yeah. It just didn't work for me. I, I, you know, Jimmy, we've we've talked about this on the podcast in, in previous weeks too. I just feel like this is watering Damian Priest down. Like mm-hmm. the, the flipping out they're saying, you know, Damien was saying he he's trying to keep it at bay. It's like, <laughs> have you? You've done this every time you've been on TV for the last three months. But I just feel like, did you, the, the crowd reaction uh, when he flipped out, they were, they were dead for it. They don't know what to make of him. And uh, it's like, he's doing this like heelish uh, attack where he loses it. And just, I just feel like, he had a cool entrance with the the arrow and everything, mm-hmm. and all of a sudden they decided to change it, and it's not working. And for for no reason they yeah. decided to change it, and I think it's hurting him. Yeah, he um, seemed like a future superstar. Like when you're looking at the guys that have been protected this year, he's at the top. He's he's mm-hmm. lost like one match, and now he's being watered down. And you don't want to see that happen when you don't have that many guys at the top. 
Yeah, he he got the significant rub at WrestleMania working in the Bad Bunny match, which you know sounds like a, a you know it sounds like a, a smaller match on paper, but it was one of the biggest matches in terms of buzz afterwards. And it mm-hmm. also helped that it was just genuinely a great match. I, I believe he was also working semi injured. I know it was at one time very briefly going to be Bad Bunny versus the Miz in singles action, and then fortunately both. Uh, Morrison and Priest were healthy and we got an absolute banger of a match out of it. So Mm -hmm. uh, it is odd to see him, you know, get this kind of gimmick change and then not be married to what the character is. Mm -hmm. And I'm hoping it's going to be defined uh, clearer in future weeks. But at the same time, future weeks is like, why can't we define it now? It feels like there's no better time than the present. Yeah. Like, like, like I was trying to explain, Uh, it's nice to see that uh, it's okay to have that inner thing that you say when he snaps, he loses it. But for right. it to, for him, it, it, it's was it that bad? Did he lose it that bad? It should be building and building after right. week, after week, after right. week. Take your time, tell a story. So when he finally does lose it, people go, oh, my goodness, you know, right. make it mean something. Yeah, not just every week. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Otherwise, he's, beca- he's uh, who, who is it? Uh, I'm, I'm forgetting who was saying it. He's like Festus. Where all, <laughs> yeah. He just oh, kinda, man. <laughs> loses yeah. it during a match. Yep. Shout out Luke Gallows, uh, Doc Gallows now in, in Impact Wrestling. <laughs> we now go. move on to our main event segment. Uh, it was what was being touted for like a week worth of, of build and whatnot. Miz and Maurice renewing their wedding vows with Eric Bischoff officiating. It's always funny to me to see Eric Bischoff uh, pop up on WWE programming nowadays because of not how often he's featured on AEW, but he's been on AEW shows a, a couple times and to see him kind of flip-flop between mm-hmm. the two uh, whether it be an AEW show to moderate some segment or WWE to show up for the Hall of Fame, it, it's always cool to kind of have that like Doctor Strange portal of guys can cross over and retain the same name that they have and still show up. Um, who who Maurice, else has done that? There's There's been someone else. Oh, Bret Hart, I remember, was on SummerSlam, and then he presented the AEW World title at All Out 2019 oh, within brilliant. a couple weeks of each other. Okay. Um, but it's never in ring competitors. It's always legends, if yeah. anything, if they yeah. are going to feature multiple people. But this segment goes on. They renew their vows. Uh, Miz is talking in French, and then he's teetering into Spanish, and then Maurice <laughs> is like, whatever. Let's, let's just keep it going. And then Edge obviously interrupts. He gets on the microphone. Uh, he says he's going to like spoil the, the parade and everything. And, mm-hmm. of course, the lights go red. We kind of know what's coming with the brood ties, and it rains black blood from the ceiling on Miz and Maurice to close out Monday Night Raw. Raj, I saw your tweet. If they're not going to do red blood, uh, what's the point of even leaning into the brood stuff? I feel like it's a PG thing. Uh, that's the only explanation I can think of. But even so, did this segment work for you? Uh, I, I, th- I thought Miz and uh, Maurice were hilarious. I thought they did mm-hmm. a great job. I can't believe they didn't uh, do anything with Eric Bischoff doing a, a three-minute line. You know, com- that would have been amazing. Oh my yeah. god! Yeah, is <laughs> that classic when he did the Chuck and Billy wedding? That did, did somebody say three minutes? Yeah. Um, yeah, you know, again, the, the whole point of the brood was blood. <laughs> You're doing oil, mm-hmm. <laughs> so uh, again, mm-hmm. it's nitpicking. It was it was what it was. It was fine. Uh, I thought Miz was just when yeah. he was speaking French, he was just cracking me up. Yeah. Uh, Maurice was, you know, she had a rough week last week with the stuff that they gave her, and then this week I thought she was fantastic. So I thought the inner uh, the whole segment was entertaining. Jimmy, 
No, I thought it was entertaining too. And but I do agree that I thought this was an opportunity. You have someone like Eric Bischoff. You talk about guys who are so good on the microphone and can carry a segment. Not that Miz needs someone to help him carry a segment, and especially Edge, because you heard that reaction he got when he came out too. He still gets that incredible pop. But it's Eric Bischoff who could talk and get as entertaining as it was. He could have made it more entertaining. Yeah. And yeah. Um, yeah, I'm kind of disappointed with the black uh, <laughs> brood bath as opposed to the red one. But at the same time, it was kind of cool. At the same time, when you hear when you hear that that right. that you know that thing. So I, it was nice leading in, especially when you were limited tonight with the with uh, less star power because you didn't have your Big E, you didn't have your Bobby Lashley, your 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 main event guys uh, weren't there. So I thought. Uh, it was actually not a bad way to end the, the the Monday night. And it's one of those. I know you're trying to be more PG, but the kids know it's not real blood. Of course, <laughs> <laughs> of course. I mean, it's, a, it's a good point. And I didn't they they did that um, in the Rollins feud as well. It was also black, I believe. Mm. And then right. I think that there was some segment where I think Balor was in the corner and the Fiend drenched him in. Maybe that one was actually red. Uh, I'm just trying to think back of the last time WWE used red blood. Well, he because- was Bray Wyatt was set on fire. You would think, yeah, <laughs> you set someone on fire. Yeah. It's okay to drop red liquid on him. It's a good point. It's a good you point. Either, either way, regardless of, of the color of the liquid, I, I do think it makes for a, a fun visual in a in a promo package that they're likely going to play at day one. And they should have uh, had Gangrel thought- there. Sorry, that you're doing so your brute cool. thing. Have have a Gangrel cameo. You know, yeah. make it special. Mm-hmm. Especially because yeah. I believe was he was he booked to show up on a WWE show over the yeah. summer in the Rollins build? Yeah. I think so, yeah. 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 So like I believe the only reason why that was canceled was didn't it was it was it a late AEW appearance and they made him pull out or something? I'm forgetting yeah. now, but yeah, like and then his AEW uh booking got canceled. <laughs> yeah, they like crossed they crossed them and it got all awkward. So yeah, that would have been a fun way to to honor uh, a promise that mm-hmm. unfortunately fell through from the summer. Um yeah, getting getting Gangrel in there would have been would have been really fun. And I don't mm-hmm. know how much it would have popped the crowd uh per se, but still it would have been fun for for viewers yeah. at home. The crowd these days, they know more about the like they pop for Bischoff, you know. That's I true. Mean, they, yeah. they know more about like 90s wrestling than 90s <laughs> than Grayson Waller. Fans about the 70s. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. There you <laughs> go. Yeah, I'm right there with you. Uh, that was Monday Night Raw, guys. Uh, mm-hmm. A pretty, you know, I don't even want to say satisfactory or decent. I thought they, they made the most of what they had uh, for this go home show. Definitely not a memorable go home show uh, by any means, but still a lot to love from this edition of Monday Night Raw. Did you guys have fun tonight? What would you give the show overall uh, from start to finish? Jimmy, I'll go to you. Ah, uh, yeah, you know, I don't like I, I don't like assigning numbers. I'm not I'm not a numbers guy. I'm not sure. one of these five-star match guys. <laughs> I, I, for me, if I enjoyed it, I enjoyed it. That's all. And there's I, yes, I get there's degrees of enjoyment. Um, I enjoyed it. I, I was I, I wish there could have been a little bit more leading up to the pay-per-view and a little more built to the pay-per-view, but I understand the circumstances around it. So for what they were able to use tonight, it was fine. Raj? Yeah, kind of the same thing. You know, if uh I, I wasn't bored, but if if I read these results, I would not be like, oh, I need to go watch this. You know. So it was it was it was one of those. 
Right. Yeah, I think that's the best way to put it. This is one that I would happily have caught on YouTube highlights. I thought I thought it was a satisfactory Monday Night Raw per se, but as a go home edition, it did let me down a little bit. Yeah, the go go home pay per views aren't what they used to be. No, no. Yeah, it, it, it's changed I a mean, lot. Uh, even, go home episodes of Raw, but yeah. even I, I believe even since the the pre network days, I know a lot of people point to the '90s and the early 2000s as the real golden age of uh of go home shows but i i think i had a lot of fun with go home shows when i first started watching wrestling in the early 2010s before the network came around and they didn't really need to earn your dollar per se your your pay-per-view dollar they knew you know you're subscribed you're going to be tuning in regardless and even if you don't tune in we're still collecting your five bucks from peacock no matter what so that's just kind of the name of the game right now either way uh that's monday night raw day one is this saturday on january 1st the first time WWE is hosting a pay-per-view on January 1st, so making a little bit of history there. And hopefully all the matches run as scheduled. Before we get out of here, I do want to give y'all the chance to, to plug socials, anything you got going on. Raj, I feel like if I just tell you to plug what you got going on, it's just Wrestling Inc. as a whole. But uh, is there Wrestling anything Inc. specific uh, that we got going on? <laughs> That's about it. That's all I got going on. <laughs> Jimmy, how about you? Me? Uh, you know what? I'm, I'm here on my social media. I'm doing my stuff. Uh, my, my daily rep and rants, which I'm taking this week off. It's the holidays, so hey, yeah, why not take a week off? I, and you know, you can get your ref and red t shirts at prowrestlingtees.com. And uh, this is a newer one, and it's a, now in a mug because my wife likes to make it into mugs. Love it. It's a ref and rent Canadian heat magnet because for some reason, <laughs> uh, I try to be, I try to, to constructively critique, but it apparently it upsets some people. But, anyways, I have a lot of fun with it. I hope you guys enjoy it too. You can find me here on Twitter at Jimmy Corderas, Instagram at Real Jimmy Corderas, and uh, just enjoy i'm just enjoying everything and jimmy has his fantastic book three count which is available on amazon and uh, uh well it was on the ecw press website EC, okay. uh, yeah, sure. up here in canada and who knows uh, my wife is uh pushing a little bit you never know you may get uh may get another uh a, a version two yeah, book two okay. part two wow. not version part <laughs> <laughs> Christmas present for next year is what we'll call maybe, it. Jimmy Cordero. Maybe, maybe. Three count part two, the 10 count, the outside count. I think I got a, I got a five title. Count. Yeah. The five count, uh, yeah. you got DQ'd. <laughs> <Yeah. laughs> the Damien Priest story. Yeah. Uh, my social is right below uh, as well as all of ours. And if you guys want to check out more of my wrestling and content, uh, follow at Wrestling Inc. on TikTok. Daily wrestling updates coming your way from news from All Elite Wrestling, WWE, New Japan, ROH, and every promotion that's kind of running stuff that's worth talking about, that's where you can find us. Um, yeah, that's Monday Night Raw, guys. That's the Wrestling Inc. podcast. We'll catch you next time.